This is the Mum's Net podcast brought to you in association with our lovely sponsors, Fairy Non-Bio. I'm Fee Glover and this one is all about work. The world loves a divide and stay-at-home mums versus working mums always makes for a spiky debate on the Jeremy Vine show during which someone will throw in the term lifestyle choice. But for most people, going back to work or not after having a baby may not seem like a choice at all. You either have to go back to work or you simply can't afford to because childcare costs mean someone would be paying Peter so Peter could pay Paul. And that's before Peter's factored in travel and mealtime costs and Paul being in a nursery that shuts at 630 when your work finishes at seven. If you've got a child with special needs or if you really need to work for your own well-being, if your partner is better at the domestic than you, it's not a simple work or don't work thing, is it? So, what we're going to try and do here is use the wisdom of mums netters with advice from people who've studied baby and parenting behaviours to try and highlight the best and worst bits of this big change in your world. Often the anticipation of going back is the worst part. There are lots of threads on Mumsnet started by mums who are dreading leaving their babies and returning to a work routine. I'm returning to work soon after eight months of maternity leave and I'm feeling really anxious. I'm also fed up at the surprise looks I get when I say I'm going back full time. It's not a choice for me, it's a necessity. Going back full time next week and I'm miserable about it. It all seems so pointless sitting in an office and moving bits of paper around, endless meetings, when I'd rather be at home playing with my baby. I'm confident I've picked a nice childminder, but it's still going to be a hell of a change. I'm coming to the end of my maternity leave and I'm not bored as such. I just feel really out of things and lonely. I feel nervous about it, but I'm actually looking forward to getting back to work. The funny thing is I recognise all of those thoughts, the longing for company and a wage packet again, I'm freelance, maternity leave is a thing of wonder to all of us who are, and small but powerful things like wanting to wear clothes in my wardrobe that weren't chosen for their washability factor. But I recognise the fear as well, the absolute fear of leaving my baby with someone else. And not only does your relationship with your clothes change, your relationship with time can change too when you have a baby. That sense of time running out during maternity leave, well, that can cause anxiety too. So let's start off with anxiety-busting paediatric clinical psychologist, Dr Rebecca Chilvers. In terms of a time, I think it's all about a time or place. It's all about asking what is right for me and my family. Do I have a choice first of all, to go back or not. Um, And if I do have a choice, do I have some kind of say in in how many days I would go back or whether the hours I can work can be compressed or only in school hours? Um, Or is there a way of negotiating that if you have a partner someone can drop the children off in the morning or or pick them up later? But it also asks, is it really only about finances or the other things that you gain from being in work. And I speak to lots and lots of parents who say, actually, my professional identity is absolutely part of who I am. And I want my children to see that. And actually, in terms of my emotional well-being, I need that as well. It's, um, it's a very emotive issue. Uh, and whoever you talk to, it, it's very complex. It certainly is. Time for a cup of tea. 
<laughs> Mums Netters Hattie, Nida and Jenny joined me and I asked them about their experiences of working after having a baby. I believe I was only going to take six months and then after like five months I was like, okay, now I'll take nine months. Then after nine months I was like, okay, now I'm going to take a year. And then I like maxed out the amount of time I could not be at work and then went back after that. And why did you want to push back your return to work? I didn't feel ready to leave my daughter yet and I think I tried to go back uh, just three days a week and that wasn't possible so knowing that I would have to go back at least four days a week um, affected my decision but um, when originally I think I'd said six months um, I'd not had a baby before I had no idea you know I just thought oh yeah six months is plenty of time that's half a year yeah um, I, I didn't realize quite how much of an impact having a child would have on me. Jenny, what about you? What were your choices after your first child? I was in an incredibly fortunate position. I could have gone back to work very easily. My employers were very happy for me to come back flexibly. To, they were prepared to offer me part-time hours. My mum had taken early retirement and would quite happily have looked after my daughter for me so I wouldn't have had any childcare fees. And I just didn't want to go back. I wanted to be at home with my daughter. It had taken me quite a long time to conceive and I think I knew before I even got pregnant, I think I knew I wanted to be a, a full-time mum. I wanted to be at home with, a, with my daughter. I was a student when I was pregnant with my uh, eldest. I was doing my PGC, so I was training to be a teacher. So I was quite keen to get back into a working environment after having her, although obviously didn't have a job to go back to, so it wasn't on maternity leave per se. And I got a job, but only for sort of 15 hours a week, but spread over three days, which meant that we had to pay for three full days of childcare, which meant that I wasn't actually earning any money, but I just really wanted to go back to work. So I was kind of the opposite. But with three children now, uh, the childcare would always be more than what I would earn. So for me, that's not really a choice because I would be going back to work basically as a volunteer. It's interesting asking people about their choices around work and small children because everybody at some stage seems to share at least one emotion, the one that can chomp up your happiness. It's guilt. Judging by the Mumsnet boards, few people escape it. And here are two radically different views on why mums in particular feel guilty. Guilt is imposed on you by society. You should feel no more guilty than any father going to work whose children are being well cared for in his absence. Maternal guilt at leaving children in childcare is not imposed on you by society. The maternal instinct to care for one's own child is biological. If you're feeling guilt, that tells me that you're being mindful of your child's needs, which is extremely important. Um, and it's about being kind to yourself and acknowledging it's not black and white. Of course, there's also the issue of guilt when women choose to stay at home and they choose that mothering role. And unfortunately, there's a lot of very negative language I, that I hear women use to describe themselves. I'm just a stay-at-home mum. And I think it's important to acknowledge that if you want to have that role and you want to embrace that role, that's just as valuable. It's about what's working for you. And many women will choose to do that for a short period of time and then return to work. And others want to do that, particularly families where they've tried for children for a long, long time. The other problem is that often the grass has never looked greener. It's easy to look at others and envy their position over your own, but the important thing seems to be feeling confident with your own sense of identity. 
for the first few years being stay-at-home mum, I was a bit bitter. I was quite jealous of people who could go back to work, who had free childcare, who you know, who had who had parents who'd look after their children or friends who they swap for and stuff. When we were never in that position, um, so I felt a bit jealous of them, to be honest. But it's been a sort of process where I've had to establish an identity which is not related to work and not necessarily related to the children. I mean, a lot of that's come from starting to write a blog and. Having a voice somewhere else, somewhere in cyberspace, um, and being that personality somewhere else. I've been a stay-at-home mum full time without doing any other work. I've um, worked full time and I've freelanced whilst being a stay-at-home mum. And this situation is what works best for me. I think the reason for that is that I've still got something to keep my brain occupied, where uh, something where I'm not a mum, I'm doing something separate from being a mother. Um, but also um, I, I'd get to, to be at home and get to be there with my daughter. I had a hideous situation the other day when I often say to my children, oh, you know, sometimes the parent who stays at home is the dad, sometimes it's the mums. So we went round and I was like, for example, Jackie, the mum of someone else, she works. And she said what she did for a job. And they said, turn to Lola and said, and what does your mummy do for work? And she went, my mummy goes to parties. <laughs> and I was like, that's not a job, darling. But if it was, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up too. So surely the solution is part-time work. You know, something exciting and fulfilling Monday through Wednesday, all day cuddling and homeliness on Thursdays and Fridays. Mm, yes. As Jenny explained to me, the reality is often quite different. Very few women who work part-time, especially if the reason they're working part-time is because they've got children, actually work their contracted hours. I used to work in HR and it was one of the ways I used to sell this to managers who are quite reluctant to have um, new mums come back part-time and I'd be like, look, it's in their interest. They're going to work really hard for you. They want to prove that this is going to work. So they tend to work very hard. They very rarely just do their contracted hours. But then there's very much an attitude of, oh, well, you're only part-time, so you've got time to do this and that and the other. So I tend to think this poor woman ends up doing almost a full-time job and is expected to pick up all the slack on the domestic front as well. And that that makes me quite cross. And also, I think there's, uh, I think, Jenny, your point is absolutely spot on. But also, it's the way that part-time seems to imply to an awful lot of people at work that somehow you are not as committed and your job is not as important. And all you're talking about when you say part-time is, is the amount of time that you're at work, not how diligently you work when you're there. Something that gets to me is this idea that there's, there are certain industries that aren't accommodating of part-time work. Mm. But um, it's, it's part of the reason why I had to leave and go freelance because I decided that actually I really can't work full-time. So then I've had to kind of ad adapt and change like my career path and you know just build my career up in a different way because I couldn't fit into uh, what was expected of me. You may already have found your spare rib is hurting a little in this short but beautifully formed podcast. Why is it still the mums who bear the brunt of this return to work decision? Laws have been changed in this country to allow men to take more paternity leave. Most couples will have shared the load of their lives pretty equally before having kids. So what about when parents share the work and the childcare, but dad does more of the stay at home bit? Uh, some days everything goes well. And you can get a meal ready and get the place yeah. tidied and everyone's on an even keel. The kids are happy and fed and playing nicely, not looking at screens. And Hannah comes in and I'm like, nailed it. Yeah. Nailed that one. 
And then the next day, it's like bedlam. It's like the kids haven't had a drink. And he's like, thank God you're here. <laughs> or he's ba- like phoning me on the way <laughs> where, home. Where, where, are, are, you? where are, you? are you? There's the baby. <laughs> I need to go to the toilet. This is Tom and Hannah. To Tom is a supply teacher and carpenter. But at the moment, he does the lion's share of looking after their one-year-old daughter, Winifred, plus a six- and nine-year-old, while Hannah does a four-day week as the deputy head of a school for children with special needs. And then with Winnie, we were both going to go back to work and we worked out how much it would cost in terms of childcare and it was going to be at least 80 quid a day for the three of them. £800 a month. It wasn't really worth Thomas going back to work. The, The work I was doing was not regular. Then he's also done some evening kind of stuff oh, occasionally, yeah. or weekends occasionally. Yeah, I'd, I'd, nice... I'd like to work so I had more of my own money, because one of my problems is that because Hannah's doing the earning, I don't have any of my own money. But I, I, yeah, I, do, I do sort of feel a sort of burden of, I don't know, of what society feels you know, a man ought to be doing, which is providing. I think for me, like Thomas was saying there about judgments for him and how he feels, I often feel that at work there's quite a few people I can feel get, that I'm getting judged. Of, oh, so Thomas is at home having the kids. Oh, and the headship just came up a little while ago and I didn't even think about going for it because I've got young children. But you, 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 would, you felt you would have missed them because you've had to commit to the job. Yeah. It would have been from seven till seven each day I, I feel really bad when I come home from right now and I'm just getting in as I go into bed or I've missed it or something because I've been at a meeting um, and it's that guilt of but half of me feels less guilty because I know Thomas is here the other half of me feels quite judged at work of like oh you're the mum I think they might think I'm quite cold of coming back I don't know when the stereotypes of motherhood will ever change. Do you? Does every mum have to be doing the nurturing, wiping and soothing role at home in order to be classed as a good mum? Does every dad have to wear the provider pants in order to get a round of applause? I found Tom and Hannah's attitude to each other's strengths and weaknesses one of the most heartening things in our search for equality, or just a life that kind of works. When I'm at home, it's quite boring and controlled and predictable, but nothing's forgotten. Everyone's warm, everyone's full-bellied, but when Thomas is here, it's kind of... It's more maverick. (laughs) They don't know what's going to happen next. They might not get fed, but it might be amazing. It might be Chinese, (laughs) or it might be nothing. (laughs) They might not eat fruit for a week, but then... Who eats fruit? (laughs) Who eats fruit, anyway? But they'll do an amazing paper mache model. Yeah. So anyway, the point is that between the two of us, we managed to tick a few boxes that they need. The Mumsnet podcast is brought to you with the help of Fairy Non Bio. And the help doesn't end there. They've got these new liquid tabs available. They're softest ever for the whole family. So what about the other big question when it comes to parents going back to work? What to do with the baby? Your choices will be defined by many things. Money, travel time, available childcare facilities in your area and what you've seen working for other people. And there really is no universal best solution. But here are some things to think about gathered from the collective wisdom of other mums netters. 
For me, the benefit of a childminder is that children have the same constant care from one person. And it's a home-from-home home environment. I felt that a nursery offered more varied facilities, a range of toys and child-sized loose, for example, and they're also more regulated than other forms of childcare. A nanny is usually more expensive, but there's significant flexibility over hours, and it's in your own home, so they can even look after your child if they're poorly. Making these podcasts is a total joy, but also makes me realise how little I've thought about some parts of parenting. It never even entered my head to notice the child-sized loos. I can feel some guilt coming on. And this next soundscape from the CD-marked sound effects that will make it even worse, it's not going to help. It's called saying goodbye to baby. <laughs> there we go. There go. We're going to have fun today. <laughs> This parenting situation has even got its own special medical term, separation anxiety. For baby and for you, it is completely normal, but that doesn't make it any less painful. Sarah here is just starting to settle her one-year-old with a childminder. Oh, gosh. (sighs) Oh, it's so hard to just leave. And um, when they're crying like that, it really... It's really upsetting. And I find myself hanging around for far too long at the childminder, sort of on the sofa, holding him and not, not ready to release him. And, um, and it probably makes it a whole load worse because he, he, when I do come to go, it's just a bit of a shock for him. So the childminder actually said to me recently, it's probably better if you just come and, and drop him into my arms and then just leave. So I have been trying to do that a bit more. Yeah... The settling in part is a process and it's worth giving yourself a comfortable chunk of time when you're not actually having to work to do this. So Hattie, you mentioned that your daughter had very bad separation anxiety. What would your tips be for dealing with that? Um, what are the tips going through? I mean, I guess the experts would say um, lots of games where you reappear. You know, if you're talking really literally, peekaboo and stuff like that, going out the room, coming back, lots of reassurance. Um, but to be honest, there's not a huge amount you can do about it if you have a, a clingy child. I mean, that that's them. Uh, she's still sensitive now and she's six. So uh, she still cr- sometimes cries when she goes to school. And it's just it's just different children, are different, different things, different horses, different courses, isn't it? My three-year-old's never cry when he's been left anywhere neither has my, my one-year-old I think when you're dropping a child off I haven't worked on both sides of the dropping off at nursery and being someone who works in a nursery is being dropped off the best thing to do is like ripping off a plaster a quick kiss and then off you go if you do have a child who's going to cry it will just prolong it if you if you hang around in my experience they'll just cry for longer it doesn't necessarily mean that you know you're going to be able to obviously try and settle them into their activity try and find a practitioner who's quite enthusiastic and willing to take them off you and then kiss love you see you later um off you go it might also help if you can leave your baby in the arms of the same person every time if they're at nursery for example and make sure they have any comfort item they might need like a cuddle blanket but the truth is some children just do find it harder to be left than others this is mum's netta b and her three-year-old son barnaby um it's never easy um and it's always racked with quite a lot of guilt but it's the, the emotions that are there that I find quite hard. Barnaby's always been in a much more kind of smaller childminder setting, just for the geographics of where we've been living at certain times. But um, he's always found it really hard to go to a childminder, haven't you? You've never loved it, but you like it when you're there, don't you? 
As your child gets a little older, there may be other childcare transitions to deal with, such as moving from a childminder to a nursery setting. And again, some children will find this transition much harder than others. It all comes down to the different ways we respond to stress. For this bit, we have a developmental cognitive neuroscientist on hand, Dr. Sam Wass. So there are definitely quite big differences between children. So some children tend to be what we call high stress reactive children. So uh, those children kind of show a big reaction to something that is a naturally stressful thing, like transitioning to a new care setting. Whereas other children really doesn't make a difference. So if you're the parent of a more reactive child, it's always a tough decision to make. You know, on the one hand, you want to look after them and you want to keep them in a setting where they feel more calm, such as one on one with an adult. But on the other hand, they're going to have to learn at some point that to make this big leap to being around other children. Is it better to do it early or late? That's a really tough decision to make often. Yep, even the most hand-reared chicks will eventually settle. Although one of mine cried every day for a year at school nursery drop-off. The staff, tall Mark in particular, were magnificent, but the echo of that cry could stay with me all day. You might like to know that years down the line, now that child, quite fearless. Leaving your small child in the hands of someone else is one of the hardest transitions we have to make and everyone in this process needs a bit of support, especially the one who's not being happily distracted by putting on a plastic bib and spending more time in Pate Corner, i.e. you. I think if you've got a good childcare system in place, you should be able to ring them after half an hour or they should ring you and tell you exactly what they're doing and whether they've settled. Um, now, the communication's really good. They might even be able to send you a picture via email of them actually doing something happily <laughs> so that it really sets you at ease. I think that's a good way to do it. I always used to call up after. I used to go very quickly and suddenly look quite cruel and heartless and then call up about 10 minutes later. Has she stopped crying? And nine times out of 10, they were like, yeah, she's absolutely fine now and playing happily. Hello. Who is it going to be? My mummy. Did you have a nice day? had a lovely day, mummy. Was it that bad? No. We had a great time. You might find it plain sailing returning to work and all hail to you if that's the case. If you are finding it a struggle, we hope this has helped a bit. We can't possibly cover everything to do with this big shift here in this little podcast, but I can guarantee that whatever your situation, you'll find a Mumsnet thread which makes it all better. You've been listening to the Mumsnet podcast. It's a testbed production, and we've been talking all about going back to work. Thanks to our lovely sponsors, Fairy Non Bio, who made this episode possible, and also to the people who've been looking after our kids whilst we make this. Thank you to my childminder, Yolanta. My kids adore her, so do I. And also Dominica, who was looking after our producer's son while we made this. Thank you to you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.